praise the name of the Lord. Let's just bow our heads together. Father, Lord, we come to you again, Lord, and just come to worship you in spirit and truth, Lord, to give you the honor that you deserve. Lord, we live in a world that does not honor you, does not even, for the most part, acknowledge your existence. But Lord, we're so thankful, Lord, to have a heart to believe in you, Lord, to a heart that's tender towards you, Father, a heart that loves you, Lord, a heart that's moved by your Spirit. We just ask, Lord, tonight that you would come and touch our hearts and lives, meet your people, Lord, in a special way. Lord, just I commit myself to you for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's turn to Ezekiel chapter 36. had something I was planning on preaching as of this week and but this this chapter here is just so maybe we'll move it on to next Wednesday but this chapter has just been rolling through me and I've tried to find a place to just break into it somewhere and and uh, uh, so it wouldn't be quite as lengthy but I'm gonna have to read the whole chapter amen Ezekiel 36 and verse 1 it says also Thou son of man, prophesy unto the mountains of Israel, and say, ye mountains of Israel, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God, because the enemy has said against you, Aha, even the ancient high places are ours in possession. Therefore prophesy and say, Thus saith the Lord God, because they have made you desolate and swallowed you up on every side, that you might be a possession unto the residue of the heathen. And you were taken up in the lips of, the ta- of talkers and are infamy of the people. Therefore, you mountains of Israel, hear the word of the Lord God. Thus saith the Lord God to the mountains and to the hills, to the rivers, to the valleys, to the desolate wastes, to the cities that, are forsa- that were forsaken, which become a prey and derision to the residue of the heathen that are round about. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, surely in the fire of my jealousy have I spoken against the residue of the heathen and against Edomia, which I have, which have appointed my land unto their possession with the joy of all their heart, with despiteful minds to cast it out for a prey. Prophesy there concerning the land of Israel and say unto the mountains, to the hills, to the rivers and to the valleys, thus saith the Lord God. Behold, I have spoken in my jealousy and in my fury, because you have borne the shame of the heathen. Therefore, saith the Lord God, I have lifted up my hand. Surely the heathen that are about you, they shall bear their shame. But ye, O mountains of Israel, you shall shoot forth your branches and yield your fruit to my people of Israel, for they are at hand to come. And behold, I am for you, and I will turn unto you, and you shall be tilled and sown. And I will multiply men upon you, all the house of Israel, and even all of it, and the cities which shall be inhabited, and the waste shall be builded. And I will multiply upon you man and beast, and they shall increase and bring forth fruit. And I will settle you after your old estates, and will do better unto you than at your beginnings. And you shall know that I am the Lord. Yea, I I will cause men to walk upon you, even my people Israel, and they shall possess thee. And thou shalt be their inheritance, and thou shalt no more henceforth bereave them of men. 
Thus saith the Lord God, because they say unto you, Thou land devourest up men, and hast bereaved thy nations. Therefore thou shalt devour men no more, neither bereave thy nations any more, saith the Lord God. Neither will I cause men to hear in thee the shame of the heathen any more, neither shalt thou bear reproach of the people any more, neither shalt thou cause thy nations to fall any more, saith the Lord God. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, when the house of Israel dwelt in their own land, they defiled it by their own way and by their doings. Their way was before me as an uncleanness of a removed woman. Wherefore, I poured my fury upon them for the blood that they had shed upon the land and for their idols wherewith they had polluted it. And I scattered them among the heathen, and they were dispersed through the countries according to their way, according to their doings, I judged them. And when they entered into the heathen, whether they went, they profaned my holy name. When they said unto them, These are the people of the Lord, and are gone forth out of his land. But I had pity for my holy name, which the house of Israel had profaned among the heathen, whether they went. Therefore say unto the house of Israel, Thus saith the Lord God, I do not this for your sakes, O house of Israel, but for my holy name's sake, which ye have profaned among the heathen, whether you went. And I will sanctify my great name, which was profaned among the heathen, which you have profaned in the midst of them. And the heathen shall know that I am the Lord, saith the Lord God, when I shall be satisfied in you before their eyes. For I will take you from among the heathen and gather you all the, out of all the countries and will bring you into your own land. And I will sprinkle clean water upon you and you shall be clean from all your filthiness and from all your idols. Will I cleanse you? A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you, and cause you to walk in my statues. And you shall keep my judgments and do them. And you shall dwell in the land that I gave your fathers, and you shall be my people, and I will be your God. I will also save you from all your uncleanliness. I will call for the corn and will increase it and lay no famine upon you. I will multiply the fruit of the tree, increase of the field, and you shall receive no more reproach of famine among the heathen. Then shall you remember your own evil ways and your doings that were not good and shall loathe yourselves in your own sight for your iniquities and for your abominations. Now for your sakes do I do this, saith the Lord God. Be it known unto you and be ashamed and confounded for your own ways, O house of Israel. Thus saith the Lord God, in the day that I shall have cleansed you from all your iniquities, I will also cause you to dwell in cities, and wastes shall be built, and the desolate land shall be tilled, whereas, whereas to lay desolate in the sight of all that pass by. And they shall say, This land that was desolate is become like the Garden of Eden, and the waste and the desolate and ruined cities are become fenced or uninhabited. Then the heathen that are left round about, you shall know that I, the Lord, built the ruined places and planted that which was desolate. And I, the Lord, have spoken it, and I will do it. Thus saith the Lord God, I will yet for this be inquired of by the house of Israel to do it for them. I will increase them with men like a flock. As the holy flock, as the flock of Jerusalem in their solemn feasts, so shall the waste cities be filled with flocks of men, and they shall know that I am the Lord. Amen. Amen. So many wonderful things in that scripture. You can be seated. Uh, I'd like to speak to you tonight. had a very difficult time finding a title for this because... 
Uh, there's so many things to, to be able to go in so many directions, but I'd like to speak to you on His Spirit, the main spring. His Spirit, the main spring. And we've been reading about the land of Israel and how that, how that had become a very desolate place. And we, we've witnessed that actually in our generation here in the last, uh, within the last uh, 100 years or so of how a desolate land would begin to bloom again and, and a people would come back to that land. But, you know, God's not only interested in a physical land and a physical people. He also has a spiritual people and a spiritual land. Amen. And so he, his word is there and it will not return into him void. And Brother Brandon would pick up about Ezekiel and he would say Ezekiel was prophesying or he was foretelling what would take place in the age to come. Not in his age, but in age to come. He said, you know, God likens his prophets to eagles that would go in the makeup of a prophet. He's a seer. And in the spirit, he climbs beyond the emotion of the church. He goes beyond the rhythm of the music. He goes beyond the clapping of the hands. He goes beyond the joy among the saints. He goes beyond all of that. And God brings him to a realm alone. Then he opens his eyes and he lets him look around and see things that are to come. Now it might be five minutes, five years, five months, or, or, or 50 years, or thousands of years. But he allows him to see things to come. Then he brings him back down among the members of his body to be able to foretell of them what is in the making. See, he said the word of God has been spoken before the foundation of the world. It isn't that God speaks and says something to a prophet at that time. It's at that time the prophet catches what God has already said. And what God has already said, God's word will be fulfilled. And we've seen as we read that, and it's very clear that we can look at it in our day and we can see mountains that were desolate, lands that were desolate, that are now, you know, uh, has gardens and ha now has vineyards and, and now has a, a, a multitude of people upon it. And we can see how God, how they went into the heathens and went into the other lands and how God began to draw them back to himself and bring them into this place. And we can see God's word being fulfilled in our time. He says, for the word was before the foundation of the world. God spoke the word and it's laying way out there stretched out into time. And the prophet goes up and sees that time coming. So it's a gift of knowledge or a gift of prophecy that he grabs a hold of what's coming and he puts it upon paper. And Ezekiel, the prophet goes out and sees the day that we're living in. Well, he said, oh, what a trip he took up Jacob's life to foresee what will be and he brings it back down he puts it on paper and now in the last 2,000 years which you know Ezekiel lived some 600 to 800 years before Christ you know and he begins he says he said they had a stony heart and then the Holy Ghost could not enter into that heart had no way of entering into that heart because it was a sinful heart it was a stony heart and he said so there had to be a place uh, in time that would come that were the atonement of blood not the atonement of the blood of an animal or a, or a sheep or a lamb or a goat, but the atonement of a blood that was co-equal with a human, that could come upon a human's life. And so, yeah, amen, Ezekiel would actually pick up, I'll put a new heart in you, I'll put a new spirit in you, I'll put my spirit in you. That could not happen in the day that Ezekiel was living in. But it only could happen when the blood sacrifice of the Lamb of God would come into time because it had already been 
spoken, amen? And his word was stretching out into time to where it could be fulfilled and be brought to pass, amen? And to where now that, that the people could receive a new heart of flesh, a new spirit, and his spirit, amen? And so, because we know the animal life, it has no soul in it, so it's like mixing oil and uh, water together. It don't mix. So Christ had to come, and the blood of Christ, which was shed at Calvary inside that blood cell, laid nothing other than the life of God. And the worshiper comes before God with this appropriate blood appropriated. It is the blood of the Redeemer that redeemed us. Now, Adam put us in the pawn shop, but the blood of Christ brought us back out of the pawn shop. And he's your Redeemer, and now you belong to Christ. Through the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. It's only in the time that, that we now live in. Now that the, the heart can be changed. It can be given a new heart. A heart to believe. A heart to receive. A, a heart to understand. May, we see, we, you know, Jesus would even say to the Pharisees. Oh, you slow of heart. You know, slow to understand. You're, you're seeing things being fulfilled in Scripture, but you're not seeing them. Because you have a stony heart. But you have to receive a heart that can believe, a heart that can receive something from God. Now, you know, and, and, and in doing so, you become his by his spirit. Amen. So we see, and, and this quote right here just uh, about sent me through the roof. He said, see, in, in doing so, God gave you to Christ as a love gift for his sacrifice. And you are brought to Christ by the Holy Spirit. Who wooed you, who wooed you through the blood of the Lord Jesus to present to him as a gift. And God loves his gifts. And he will not stand to see them destroyed. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. That gives me great confidence in the time that I'm living in. He's wooed me. Amen. He's gave me a heart of flesh. He's gave me a heart to believe. He, he's placed a new spirit in me. He's given me his spirit. I've been presented to him as a love gift. Amen. It's a love gift. And he, he loves his gifts. I'm not talking about just the gift of singing and the gift of preaching. And He loves his gifts. Amen. His blood-bought saints of Almighty God has been bought by the blood of the Lamb and been placed in this time. He loves you. Hallelujah. And because he loves you, he will not stand and see you destroyed. Hallelujah. Oh, the destroyer is in the land. The destroyer, amen, the pale horse rider is about to ride. And, and we see things begin to take place as his ride is coming in very imminent. Amen, as he starts it. And we see it all taking place. But the destroyer is in the land. But you'll not be destroyed. Amen, because he is here and he loves you. I can't get past that this, this evening. Amen. You know, we, we need to realize and really think about how God, amen, has brought you in this time that you're living in. And it be his spirit begin to woo over your body. Begin to woo over your soul and begin to woo over your life. And, and Satan had come and he had brought every kind of sin upon you and covered you up as it would be concrete over a grass seed. But the Spirit of God began to draw you. It began to woo you. It began to call you. It began to pull on you. Amen. You was a drunkard. You was this. You was that. But there was something on the inside that said this is not who you're supposed to be. 
What was it? It was God bringing his love gifts. He had seeds there. He said one fellow asked another fellow one day, he said, do you believe if a man wants a child of God, born of the Spirit of God, washed in the blood, and redeemed thoroughly by God, by the renewing of his heart, by the washing of the water, by the blood, through the Word, and becomes a child of God, don't you think that person could sin and get away from God to where he would be lost? This man said, I'll answer your question when you answer mine. Do you think that a man could be so good that he could lie, steal, do anything bad, but he would be so good that God would receive him into heaven without the blood of Christ? No. Then if that's no, the others know. Amen. Amen. You can't be so good that you're going to make it. It ain't because you was born in a certain family or, or born in a certain, I'm talking about an earthly family, Pruitt's family, uh, Liddell family, whatever family you want to be. Amen. Adam's family, Oglesby family, whatever family, that's not what gave you the, uh, the ability to be his gift. What give you, God gives you the right to be his gift is God put a seed on the inside of you. And it began to call upon you. And it began to woo upon you. Amen. And you begin to give love back to him. Amen. He says, see, no, of course not. You could not go to heaven without the blood of the Lord Jesus. No matter how good you are. That would be self-made righteousness. No matter how good you are. It's totally impossible for you to get to heaven on your goodness. So let's put our goodness on a tree somewhere. It's the mercy of God that brought you at Calvary. Hallelujah. It's the mercy of God that brought you at Calvary. And you are God's love gift to Christ. And if God gave a gift to Christ, Christ keeps his gift. So not only is he going to make sure you're not going to be destroyed, he keeps you. That's why he would say, all that comes to me and all the Father has given me will come and none of them will be lost, but I'll raise them up in the last days. So he's not brought you to this place to wad you up in the trash and throw you away, but he keeps his gift. Listen, I understand how it is. We live in a land of, you know, especially compared to other worlds, amen, of plenty. And you get gifts for Christmas and you might like it. It's a new toy and, you know, it's the greatest thing. And it's in sliced bread. Your mama or daddy fought through every kind of thing to find it for you because you just had to have it. And you got this gift and you played with it for a few days. And the next thing, it's an old hat. It don't matter no more. It stays in the closet. Finally, your mom gets tired of looking at it, and she puts it in the yard sale, and she gets rid of it. And one day you loved it, and the next day you don't. may take months. It may take years. Amen. But you, you have those things. Amen. Every one of us does. Amen. Amen. But that's not the way God is with his gifts. He didn't receive you one day, and down the road decide, I don't want you no more. He didn't receive you at one time and say, you know what? I've changed my mind about you. I'm putting you back in the pawn shop. No, sir. If he had you in his mind and you was his gift given to him for his sacrifice, you will always be his gift. He keeps his gifts. Hallelujah. 
Now he said, you know, you, he said, Brother Brown will say it like this. He said, you might be emotionally worked up. You might have oil through your hands, speak with tongues, dance in the spirit, join the church. Some of the, the other things, fantastics of today. You, and you could be lost. Have all of that and be lost. But if you're love, God's love gift to Christ, you are safe. If you are God's love gift to Christ, you are safe. Your life will prove who you are. By their fruits you shall know it. If you're trying to make yourself act sweet, make yourself be humble, you're still outside the kingdom. It's not your own works. He said that's where the church is. The people and so-called the church has failed so miserably because it's our own personal work that they feel that they met by their own personal work. They feel they merit the goodness and, and the grace of God but what they do and how they live. That's not one thing to do with it. It is the gift of God. Your own conscience to shun you from hell would try to make you uh, your, which, that would, you would shun from hell rather would try to make you live good and be right and be a good citizen. Right. You know, there's good citizens that's not, not necessarily Christians. I've seen people who called themselves Christians wasn't good citizens. <laughs> Amen. But also, it's a flip-flop, you know. A, a, good Christ, a good citizen is not necessarily a Christian. Might be a good person, might have some good morals, might have some good things. He said, I've seen many people who's even denied the name of the Lord Jesus were fine people. Oh, it's humanly speaking. Look, how much more better was the man Esau than Jacob? But he didn't have the conception to know that he, when he sold his birthright, he despised it. And when he sold it, he was despised and rejected of God. But he was far more gentleman, a neighbor, a man of works than what Jacob was. Jacob was a deceiver. He was a supplanter. He, he, he deceived people. But Esau, a gentleman in every respect, but Jacob had recompense or he had a respect to the birthright. He wanted the birthright more than he wanted anything else. That is, that's pretty much the calling card for who a real Christian is. Somebody who wants the birthright more than anything else. Somebody that wants the birthright more than their, their closet to be the new thing. Somebody that wants the birthright more than their outward appearance to be the up the ups and this and that and the other. They want God more than anything. Amen. Or they call him a holy roller and fanatic, whatever they wish to, but he had respect to the birthright. That was his whole motive. That was his whole wants. That, whatever it cost him, he wanted the birthright. But he said, you know, many people, he said, if the body of Christ was controlled by intellectuals or theology or mental conceptions, then we're wholly dependent upon the intellectual knowledge of man. He said, if the church only rests upon the intellectual, upon your abilities... That's what the intellectual is. Upon your abilities and what you think. And, you know, we build this great thing and plush seats and $1,000 pipe organs and, and how he could preach his message in such a way that would get people to church and join a church and more members on the book. He said, I want you to get this and never let it slip. So that sounds something pretty important. If we only need the intellectual conception of man, we don't need the Holy Ghost. 
He said that the church is to be run and governed upon intellects and educational programs and upon the intellects of a man of mankind. We do not need the Holy Spirit. But if it's to be run by the Holy Spirit, we don't need the intellectuals. That's the prophet of God's words. It's either one or the other. Oh my. Amen. So we got to have something on the inside, a mainspring. Amen. See, the smarter the man would be, the more intellectual he's had, the more schooling he got, the better grammar he would be, the better off the people are, the better off the church is. If he could present the program and say, well, they said, what is that? He said, that is nothing but mental emotion. He said, if we could present the program and say, now, we'll build a great church. We'll call it a certain name. We'll attract the attention of the people all through the city when we play chimes every Sunday morning on our spire. We'll attract the attention of the poor lost sinner in the gutter when he sees we wear better clothes and when we offer him food and we offer him this. And we wear nice hats. We'll present this to the people and, and, see what, and we'll show them the desires of, of what a woman ought to be and a man, how nice we ought to wear and how suits ought to be just right. Our dresses ought to be, our cars ought to be great what we ride in. How we stand in social abilities and, 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 and the city and, and you know, we're able to bring this one in and bring that one. He said, if that's God's program, they're right. He said, but Jesus never quoted it that way. He said, if I be lifted up, not the church, not what we can do, not our abilities, but if Christ can be lifted up. He said, so through the whole world educational program, he said, it's all right if you don't, he said, that's all right if you don't leave this house. He said, but men is not drawn to Christ by intellectuals or by theology. The Holy Spirit alone is God's drawing power. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. You know, it's not the it's not people get amazed. I, I met somebody just up there when we was built, was looking to build that uh, gymnasium out there, the you know for the youth youth building there, and uh, went went up to Spring Hill and was talking with the because the builder had sent us up there to look at a building he had built previously, and she's like, well, what what, what do you need one of those for? And you got young people? I said, yeah, we got young people. She said, well, how many you have? And I said, I oh, probably. Enough, about 40 to 60 or so, and then several, several about, about the same in Sunday school, and, and more coming. And she just kind of looked at me with a wild eye, staring. It's like, what are you doing to get those young people there? She said, we've tried everything. You know, I, I, I'll say this, Brother Josh Bennett, you know, is in, in the middle of uh, build, starting to build a church, and he's had to be in a gymnasium because they've, you know, through, you know, it's amazing, through COVID, his church has outgrown his church. So he had to move to a gymnasium, and they'd been renting this gymnasium from a Wesleyan Methodist church, and, and, and they all of a sudden on Sundays, they saw this gymnasium full of people, two, three, four hundred people, I don't know, it was full of folks. And, and, the, and Brother Josh was hoping maybe that they would sell the place to him because they only had a few members. And, and, they, and, they, and so he went and approached them and said, look, we'd like to buy this if y'all, if y'all want to sell it. And they said, oh, no, we see what you're doing. We're going to get us a young preacher. <laughs> and we're going we're gonna to have it in that gymnasium. And we're going to get our music program right. So we'll be able to have church like that. They're missing the whole point. 
It ain't the preacher, it's Christ. Amen. It ain't the building, it's Christ. For months that gymnasium sat empty and was growing cobwebs. But you get Christ in there. You get God moving in there and the Spirit of God. He said, I will draw all men unto me. Listen, we don't have young people because we got a program or even because we got a, a place for them to play some basketball. We have young people because there's families and pastors and preachers that preach Jesus Christ. And they lift him up out of history and say he's not a God of the past, but he can be your God too. He's not just your daddy's God, but he can be your God too. He can change your life just like he changed Tim Pruitt. He can change every life in here. It's not a program. It's Christ. The Holy Spirit alone is God's drawing power. He said, see, it's the scripture. He that exalts himself shall be abased. He that humbles himself shall be exalted. He said, they got that upside down. They're trying to get men into a church by intellectual speeches. He said, we do not need intellectual speeches. There's a prophet of God. We don't need intellectual speeches. But it's the baptism of the Holy Spirit with power and demonstrations and manifestations of the Spirit. That is what we need to bring men to the church. It is the drawing unction of the Holy Spirit. He said schools and seminaries are fine. Have nothing against them, but that's not God's program. Amen. God chose the ignorant and the illiterate, men who couldn't speak well. There was plenty of people that had education he could have got. There had been plenty that had a doctrine of divinity and Pharisees he could have pulled from. But he pulled from a poor fisherman. Couldn't hardly write their name if they could at all. Amen. He pulled from the illiterate. They couldn't speak. They couldn't read. And the Bible said they were ignorant and unlearned. But they had been to a far better school. For when they healed a man at the gate called Beautiful, they took the knowledge they learned at that school up, on the, up in the upper room that they had been with Jesus. And people around them had to realize and take knowledge these men had been with Jesus because they're doing exactly what Jesus did. And people want to say they've been with Jesus and they don't believe in healings and they don't believe in deliverances and they don't believe in salvation anymore and they don't believe, they say days of miracles are past. You ain't been with Jesus. You've been in the intellectual realms. Explain it all the way. The same intellectual realms a serpent operated out of. Said so this being an intellectual type of the churches that we have today in America and all over the world, we get to that type of school. Then the Christian, the believer, the church member reading the Bible sees he must try to act humble. He must try to be this way. He said, What they do is they begin to become carnal impersonations. He said, Let that soak deep. A carnal comparison. Trying to act something that he really isn't in his heart. In his heart, he's thinking in one way and is trying to act another. He said, in genuine language, that's a hypocrite. Jesus said, you hypocrites, how can you speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart speaketh the mouth. The heart, the, the mouth speaketh. If you don't speak according to what's in your heart, your heart thinks one thing and you speak another. That makes you a hypocrite. 
I mean, the very word Pharisee means actor. They acted out their religion, but they had a stony heart. They acted out that they believed it, but inside they really didn't. So they came to Jesus and said, good master, we'd like to see a sign. Well, just how many signs do you need? He didn't raise the dead. He didn't open the blind to the eyes of the blind. Even a blind man saw him. And Jesus would say, how can you call me good? There's none good but God. So the weak and the adulterous generation seeks for a sign. But there'll be a sign given as Jonah was in the belly of the well three days and nights. So shall the son of man will be in the heart of the earth three days and three nights. And they saw that fulfilled and still couldn't figure it out with their intellectual ideas. Still tried to explain it all away. Say it didn't happen. That was just a made up story by some guards because they didn't want to lose their life. The disciples come and stole the body away. He still, they wouldn't put him somewhere else. Intellectual ideas. And of course, if they, they would have had YouTube back there, they'd have had all their videos on it by then too. About how this ain't so and how that ain't so. And I got this figured out and I got that figured out. And you wasn't even there. If you'd have been there, you'd have saw the angel come down and the stone roll away. And the guards fall as dead people. And a man who'd been in the grave three nights, amen, well, three days walk out. So what really irritates me about these, these UT wannabe peoples, whatever they want to call them. I don't know what you want to call them. Heretics is what they are. Blasphemers bound for hell is what they are. They get up and they want to say what happened back in the 60s and the 50s and what didn't happen and line it all up and have it all figured out and they got it all and it wasn't even there. And they want me to believe you when you wasn't even there? I mean, let's go out here and let's go. Let's witness. You know, we hear a big crash out there, and, and you know, I just sorry, brother Aaron. I use brother Aaron. He, he's good at putting words together, <laughs> telling stories. He <laughs> we hear a big crash, and he runs out there, and he tells the cop, "Well, this car was coming this way, and this car was coming this way, and this one swerved over here, and that one come over there, and bam, they hit right there. It was this person's fault, and he wasn't there." It's no different than what they're doing on YouTube videos. Well, they did this and that happened over here. And they're, they're putting their own intellectual ideas into it and expecting me to believe it. But I got a different heart. Mm. They try to place this new program, this new deal God has with the church that was presented at Pentecost. Not an intellectual at all. Wasn't intellectualism at all. It was 120 fishermen, tent makers, and housewives. Housewives went up into the upper room and waited until God's prophecy was fulfilled. And they received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Jesus told them, stop your preaching. Don't go any further. Don't do any more. Go up and wait in the city called Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high. Not to uh, you received your BA or your DA, DD or your PhD or your psychology degree. You can you become an intellectual teacher. But wait until you get your diploma. Amen. 
Not wait, but not wait until you get a degree, but wait until you endure with power. From on high. Not from a school, but from on high. Then you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria to the uttermost parts of the earth. His last commission to all the world, preach the gospel. And we want to change it. And we get icicles and put them in the pulpit. And they give a little intellectual speech. And you're supposed to receive it. And by receiving it, you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. That's not how they did it on the day of Pentecost. On the day of Pentecost, it was the rushing mighty wind. It was the wooing of the Holy Ghost upon lives and seeds that were sitting there. Amen. Until fire could fall upon a seed and it burst into life. It wasn't given by Peter giving an intellectual speech. It was given by the power of the Holy Ghost. And in my name you will cast out devils. You speak with new tongues. You drink any deadly thing or take up a serpent, it won't harm you. And they shall lay hands upon the sick, they shall recover. That was to be the sign of the believer. That was to be the sign of the believer instead of educated intellectualism. Amen. Now, God was going to make a new church. So he's going to put a new heart in there and a new spirit in there. He wasn't just going to give it a facelift and it'd be the same old church. No, it wasn't going to be a, the old heart just polished up. It's going to be a new heart. I'm going to take that old stony heart away, but I'm going to put a new heart in there. He said, what was it? It was an act of grace. It was God placing something inside of there to be able to receive something from him. Amen. He said, I'll take the old heart out. I'll put the flesh of your heart in. He said, see, he said he would do that. You can't put that in an old intellectual church. And he said, that's the reason why America is in the condition. You want to know why America is in the condition is today? Because it's been calloused with an old intellectual idea. That's the reason that it's go forth and, and every person signs papers and it's because they are now a member of a certain church and so forth for a little Hollywood revival that's coming and all of them come out with glamour girls and boys and put out their little programs and when they leave, they go back and find out about 90% of that accepted Christ as Savior. They're not there anymore. What's the matter? It wasn't a revival. It was an intellectual illusion. Mercy. It only presented something as the American people would clap their hands and, and the Hollywood television articles would come out and the pulpit, you know, had been, re- brought, been replaced by a Hollywood fashion box. And when the old-fashioned gospel preacher used to drink cistern water and preach all night by lamplight, it's changed. But we changed it, and that's why we got the intellectual group that we got now. Because we have changed what was given to the original church. And that's how, and he said, that's how you're ever, are you ever in the place where every home is now televised with Who Loves Lucy and all these other ungodly programs over the air and television such that how are we ever going to present this new gospel the way that Christ told us to do and to such as that? If the mind still remains carnal 
It'll run through fantastics and fanaticism. It'll bypass the word of God and run off in oil droppings and everything. He said, how are you going to stop it? The Bible said it would be that way. And God said it would be that way. The intellectual, the old lady, they give her, you know, they give her a facelift, but she's still the same old woman. The old man, they give him a facelift, but he's still just the same old man. Oh, I'll turn a new page. I'll, I'll start a new life. I'll throw away my pipe. I'll throw away my beer. I'll clean out my refrigerator, but still the same old man. And years later, go right back to it. Why? Because they never received him. Oh, sure, they'll get up behind it and say, well, I, I always had it. And I never, you know, a person can fall, make all their excuses in the world, but they never had it in the first place. It ain't a facelifting. We're not interested in giving you a facelift. We're not interested. I, 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 this group is one of the only groups left, so it's the reason why I use them. We're not interested in making you like a Mennonite or Amish. Because you have a certain dress and you, you do a certain thing and, and you, you, I'm a message believer. That's not a life. That's a lifestyle. Hey, I know I, it, it don't work. I was just telling somebody, the, other, the Paris family, the other night, me and Sister Ruth was on a cruise here, our only cruise we've ever been on, Brother George, Sister Trish, and we decided to go on an excursion. We went on this horse ride out into the, out into the uh, uh, plantation. I think it was a banana plantation. And then I, we was going to take a ride in the ocean on the horses. Really, really, really interesting in Jamaica. When we first got on the boat, we noticed this Amish couple that was walking around and would you know it? We got on the, bu- the bus to go to our excursion, and right in front of us, on the seat in front of us, was this Amish couple. Of course, that puts my wife's radars out, because she can understand what they're saying. And, they're and she finally says something to them, and they do it, shoo, scared them to death. And so, we go on this horse ride. They, they move away from us. They don't want to have nothing to do with us. They don't want to be around us. And, and they go on, they go on about their business. And we go on this horse ride, ride through this plantation along the coastline, come back around. They change the saddles out. And they say, all right, we're going to go in the ocean. Listen, these two Amish people went into some changing rooms. And there wasn't ever an Amish person come out. Shorts, bikinis, the whole nine yards. They came out after the horse ride. They went, the two people went back in and Amish people came back out. Listen, we're not interested in that. We're not interested in walking in here and you're, you're a message believer and you're going out and you're not. This ain't a changing room that you can just drop clothes and put on clothes and, and drop ideas and put on ideas. This is a birthing room. It's going to change your life forever. Listen, you'll walk in here, amen, a, a lost, dying sinner going to hell. And God's word will come across your path and ignite something in your heart. And you say, I believe it. That's the word of God. And the spirit of God fall on you. And you'll walk out like never before, never to be the same again. Listen, we got, they got in the Baptist too. They can go and dress up on a, on a Sunday or on a, especially on an Easter. Listen, we're not interested in that. That's a facelift. It just, it's just painting an old, 
if I could say it like this, an old barn, you just paint it up and it looks all pretty, but inside it's ate up by termites. It's ate up and boards are decaying and it's about to fall in. That's what a facelift is. God's not interested in a facelift. He's interested in a new creation that your old life has done away with and a new life has begun. He said, now you can't preach that in the old church. She ain't going to stand that. Jesus said it in Luke about the fifth chapter about the wine and bottles. He said, you can't put new wine in old bottles. If you do, they'll burst, they'll perish. Uh, he said, that used to wonder me about a little bit. He said, I used to start on my boy's mind when I got to think, how could a bottle perish? When you call the bottle being old, it makes no difference because it's glass. But in Jesus' time, he was speaking about bottles that were not glass. They were made out of animal hide. And animal hide had to be tanned. And when it was new and young, it was been tanned. It was flexible. But when it got old, it got dry and dried up. He said, many of you people know what a hide is when it gets dry. It's all shrunk up and it's real hard. Amen. Yep, I've seen them in churches. All old, drunk, <laughs> shrunk up. I ain't even talking about their age. I'm talking about their spiritual age. Yeah. Amen. Old and dry and all shrunk up and real hard. But they're believers, I tell you. But the Spirit of God can move and they'll sit there as stone as they can be. Why? Because they become dried up. He said, if you put new wine in that, it doesn't got no life to it. It'll burst. He said, just like the priest, the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and the real genuine power of the resurrection is trying to place that in before the people. When you do, what happens if you put it in? That new wine's got life. Hello, somebody. That new wine's got life. That new wine is still fermenting. It's still moving. It's still, it's still flexing. It's still, it's still uh, uh, something's happening, bubbling up on the inside. He said, if it's put in a new flexible bottle, then the old of the animal is still in the skin. When the new wine goes to pushing out, that skin will stretch. It'll move with it. Otherwise, when the Bible said Jesus Christ is the same, yesterday, today, and forever, that new skin will stretch out. It'll say, Amen. Yes, Lord. And when the new one said, that is the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I am the life of God that's working in you, that new skin will stretch out and it'll say, Amen. Oh, hallelujah. When the new wine says that the Holy Ghost is sufficient for your healing today, that new wine will stretch itself out inside of that old bottle and that bottle will stretch out and say, Amen. But what will the old bottle do? Days of miracles are past. It's gone. The season, we're not in the season of miracles. You old dried up cowhide. He said it's almost like casting your pearls before swine when you're trying to put new wine in old bottles. This is why he said, I have to take that stony heart out and put a new heart that'll move, a new spirit that'll receive. He said, see, Christ doesn't anoint ministers to preach the gospel just to have it return back void. 
He expects you to receive the word. Hello, somebody. He expects there to be some new bottles. And the wine is poured out on a Sunday morning or Wednesday night or whatever day of the week it is. And those bottles begin to stretch out and say, yes, Lord. Be it unto me, Lord. It's my promise, God. I'm accepting it for me, Lord. I'm not, I'm not quenching the spirit, God. I'm moving in the presence of God. I'm moving when he says move. I'm moving when he says go. I'm not going to sit on my past and my past laws and what I did last Sunday or what happened last revival. But when the spirit of God moves, I'm a new bottle. And that wine begins to pour out. And the bubbling starts taking place. And something has to go. Because this new wine, this new wine has life in it. It's not some dried-eyed, dried confession or some creed or dogma. It's life with this word with power in it. He expects you to receive the word. And in receiving the word, be ready. Oh my my, take that old cowhide you've been living in over there in that old formal condition and swap it off for some sheepskin that's flexible. Come on now. Hello, somebody. Can I be real personal? <laughs> it gets dangerous. But I mean, I heard a couple of Sundays ago there was about nine or ten of you that said, you know what? The Spirit of God moved across me, and I didn't move. Well, if I was you, I'd say, Lord, oh, my cowhide up. Make it more stretchable. That when you come by, I won't say no ever again. That when you come by, I won't, I won't quench the Spirit of God. I, I won't sit down on what you want to do, but I'll say, yes, Lord. I'll say, yes, Lord. I'll open myself up to you, to your will and to your way, to the moving of the Spirit of God. Brother Brandon would equate this the same to that old burnover. Amen. That burnover over those old stags and that new, that new growth underneath that was moving with the Spirit. And one, one saying it's fanaticism. The other rejoicing. One saying it's a bunch of emotional workup. The other rejoicing. And he said it was the same wind. One making one howl and moan and the other rejoice. Mercy. He said it must come for the new wine. The new wine only ferments new wine. It only verifies that the elements are there. The yeast presses forth the bulb of the alcohol. Listen, if all you got was a drink of whatever, I don't know what to use here. Water's good, but just a, just a good drink of water. It don't, it don't bring forth more life in the sense of wine expands itself. There's a bubbling. There's a, almost a uh, multiplica- multiplication, if I could say it that way. And it begins to move and it goes into every fiber and every place to where the Holy Ghost has direction over every portion of your life. Amen. It bubbles. It makes it perfect. Makes it is it because what is it doing? That yeast is bubbling in there. He said it's making that wine taste better. It's giving it a better substantial holding. It's making it stronger. It's making it so it can't sour. 
<laughs> and when, man, he puts it in such beautiful language. He said, when the leaven of the, uh, the human element has been brought into the new wine, seeks to burst the bubble that spreads forth its strength of alcohol. It shows from the old church, from that church, all the worldly elements, and it preserves the church. He said, grape, grape juice, that's a good that's a good one. Grape juice will sour in 24 hours, but wine never sours. Because the germ of life in the wine is fermenting, it's pushing, it's sterilizing, it's going forward, it's moving out, it's coming out. It's going out. That's why it can only be put in new Pentecostal bottles. It can't be put in Lutheran bottles. It can't be put in some denominational creed. It can't be put in some your, your own ideas. It can only be put in the same bottles that work on the day of Pentecost. God had 120 up there gathered in the upper room and he'd oiled them with his word. He'd softened them up and he renewed them and got all that orthodox out of them and that old system out of them. And he had 120 bottles laying there with their necks up and a funnel on top. Hey, that's a good way for a bottle to come to church. Don't come to church with your stopper on. And you're stopping at everything, and you're stopping this, and you're stopping. Don't take the stopper out. Amen. Put a funnel in there. Make it a little bit bigger area for the Holy Spirit to hit. And he can fill your life even more. You say, well, Brother Timothy, I received the Holy Ghost 20 years ago. You still need more wine. You need to take another drink again. You need to get another dip in the Holy Ghost again. Amen. It's not one filling. It's many refillings. Hallelujah. It's time we come with our cups up. (laughs) He said he got them all renewed. And they had their necks up in a funnel on top. And when the Holy Spirit began to raise, these bottles got so alive. Until they run outside preaching the gospel, bouncing from place to place. One jumped on a stump and said, this is that. Right back to the word which the prophet of the, uh, Joel spoke about. It shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit, my new wine into my new body. Hallelujah. I will pour it out. What a revival they was having. That's God's order. Here comes a burst, couple of bursting bottles. We've already mentioned it. And there laid an afflicted man. This afflicted man touched the hand of one of those and said, Give me alms. That bottle said, I don't have no silver and gold. But what I have, let me give you a little bit. And he poured that wine down on top of that crippled man. And that wine went to bubbling inside that body. And bones started cracking and popping and things started happening. That man had been sitting there for year after year, day after day begging. But that wine got to bubbling on the inside of him to limbs that had never worked, worked again. To bones that had never moved, moved again. To sinews that never bent, bent again. And he began to jump on them feet. Those ankle bones popped in place. And down through the street he began to run, giving praise. Why? Because the wine of God got loose inside of a new bottle. Oh, hallelujah. I want to be a bottle that the Holy Ghost can work inside of. 
That's God's order. Not a big school with a degree, but a living, acting experience of the Holy Ghost. Not fanaticism, but the real, genuine Holy Spirit in action. Amen. My spirit. said, I'll take you. See, see, first God said I had to take the old stony heart out. I'm going to be a little bit longer. I've been saving up some time, so just hang on with me. I'll give you a new spirit. See, that new spirit is not the Holy Spirit. See, that's where people make mistakes. They come to the altar and pray, get to feeling a little better, get up, go out and jump around a while, bounce for find out they, they bounce, 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 and they bounce their bounce out. They never received the Holy Ghost. No matter how much they bounced, how much they screamed, how much oil ran out of their hands, or bloody faces, or how much tongues they spoke in or shouted, that did that was only human emotions. They got a new spirit that can rejoice in the presence of God. Did you hear me? Because there's a lot of spirits that can't rejoice in the presence of God. He said, I'm going to say something. He said, I want you to sink deep and make God help. There's an emotional side of the so-called Holy Ghost Church today. They got a lot of built-up fanaticism run off out there because they disregard the word. They go only together. You got to have the word. If your emotion takes you off the word, it's fanaticism. Amen. But if your emotion is in the word, it's not fanaticism. And shouting and those things are in the word. Where were you, Job? When the sons of God were shouting for joy. Speaking in tongues is in the word. People want to call it fanaticism. It can be if that's what you lean on and that's all. And you go to seed on that as we have seen in our generation. But it's in the word. If you do that, we said, because when you do all of that and don't bear the fruit of the spirit, then you're in the new spirit. He said, that's right. But God has to give you a new spirit. Because if he didn't, you couldn't get along with others. You couldn't get along with yourself. You couldn't get along with God. You couldn't get along with anybody. So God has to give you a new heart, not a patched up one, a new heart. That's your intellect, what you think, a new way of thinking. And then he gives you a new way of, that's right, a new way of thinking. (laughs) Yeah, buddy. All you got to do is look at the world. Because if it wasn't for this new spirit, you'd be thinking like the world thinks. Amen. Yes, sir. They'd say, well, you sure? I, I, I don't want to go to hell. I, I want to accept Christ. That's all right. That's your first step. You don't want to go to hell? Accept Christ. He said, after that, I'll give you a new spirit. What is that? A new desire. Yes. But that's the new spirit. Notice in order of the scripture, I'll give you a new heart, a new spirit. But then I'll put my spirit in there. My spirit in there. That's what the scripture says here. That's the order, the numerics, the numerical order of the scripture. A new heart, a new spirit, and then my spirit. Oh, hallelujah. So what is his spirit? He said his spirit is the Holy Ghost. It's the Holy Spirit. God's new heart that he puts in, he sets right. His new spirit, his spirit, he sets right in the center of you. That's your impulse. That's your emotions. That new heart, that new spirit. But then the new spirit sits right in the center of the new heart. And then God's spirit sits right in the middle of the new spirit and the new heart. And it controls everything. 
He said, it's just like a mainspring of a famous watch. It's self-winding. You don't have to wind it every day. God has wound it once and for all. He sets it right in the middle of you. And it don't have to be rewound. It don't have to have a new youth camp to get built back up again and to get back over pornography and get back over things again. That's not the Holy Ghost. If the Holy Ghost is in you, it's been wound up since the foundation of the world and it's never going to run out of power. That Holy Ghost is, if that Holy Ghost, that God's Spirit is on the inside of you, you won't have to worry about days down the road, years down the road, and you've been delivered of alcohol, and one day you hit a hit weak moment, and you get drunk all over again. If you do, you've never had it. Never. You can make all the excuses you want to make. You're just pushing the can down the road. What you need to do is get on your knees and say, God, I'm sorry. I want not just a new heart and a new spirit. I want your spirit. I want the mainspring inside of me that's that's moving every gear of my life. It's moving every emotion of my life. It's moving every thought of my life. And when the thought comes in that I know ain't from the mainspring, it kicks it out and a new thought from the Word of God comes and takes its place. That's the mainspring operating on the inside of you. It sits right in the middle of your new life as it begins to tick and begins to control every little organism of that watch. The Holy Spirit will control every little detail of your life. When the Holy Spirit, not a new degree, not a new church, not a new thought, not a new emotion, not a new oil, not a new dance, not a new lip, not a new tongue, not a new this, not a new that, But when God places his spirit in the middle of your spirit, your new spirit, then you don't have to act meek. Hello, somebody. You don't have to act like a Christian because you are a Christian. Listen, I don't have to act like a Pruitt. I would have to act like an Adams or I have to act like an Oglesby or have to act like somebody of some other. But I, I, I don't have to act like a Pruitt. It's who I am. It's, on, it's the blood that's in me. I, I, I hear it all the time. You know, I go to places and they say, wow, I can sure see your daddy in you when you preach. And I go, well, thank you. That's my daddy. I'm glad you're not seeing somebody else in me when I preach. As far as some other man that I'm trying to emulate. I can't help but be, have, my, uh, have things that's like my dad. He's my dad. And you can't, have, you can't help but have things like your heavenly father if he's your father. When that mainspring comes on the inside of you, it begins to put in motion everything in orbit in your life, just like the sun does to the universe and everything around us in perfect harmony and perfect place because of that sun sitting there. When the S-O-N comes into your life, it's the mainspring. It's everything. And you won't get it till you think of it as everything. That's the truth. If you, think, if you think other things are greater and it's more aspire to be this or that and the other, you'll never receive it. But when it becomes your main thing, I got to have it or die. I got to have it no matter what it costs me, no matter what I got to do. It's kind of like that man, you know, asked, that, old, that old man asked the, his boss, 
His boss wanted the, the Holy Ghost like, I forget the name of the man right now. Moses, yes. Like Moses said, Moses, I want, I want what you got. He said, all right. You want what I got? He said, you see that hog pen over there? Let's go out there and get in the middle of it and kneel down. He said, Moses, I don't think I want what you got. It wasn't, it, wasn't, it wasn't worth enough for him to get in that place. So a few more days come by, and he says, Moses, i got to have what you got. I see what God's done for you. I see how God's moving in your life. i got to have what you got. Well, let's go get in that hall pen, and let's kneel down in that old mud, and let's get down, and let's pray. He said, all right, Moses, he began to pull up his plants and begin to start wading out in there. He said, hey, boss, you ain't got to do that. You just got to be willing. Hallelujah. You got to be willing to give up your pride and your bitterness and your fear and your unbelief and everything that's not of God and lay it upon an altar and say, God, I want you more than this. I want you to be the mainspring of my life. He says, see, but when you blow up at every little thing that happens and that disposition's in you and when the pastor happens to hit something that's in the word and you make this, says he makes a spitting noise. I don't believe that. Look out, old cowhide. Watch out. That new mainspring hasn't been set there yet. Amen. Because it, it controls it. It makes you believe. It makes you act in a certain way. It'll make you act in a way till you become so salty, the whole world thirsts to be like you. That's the Holy Spirit sitting in the middle of your heart. That's the mainspring. Amen. He said, but when it's a yoke and you're yoked with, oh, I just hate going to church tonight. If that preacher, if it wasn't so long-winded, oh, I like hearing him for, this is a prophet, okay? I like hearing him for a few minutes, but I'll tell you, the last time I went, when I went down to that card party, Susie said to me, do you believe to tell me the very audacity that you have belittled yourself to take your hair down. And you mean you wear those old, old foggy clothes now and you don't wear what you used to wear. He said, the thing of it is, you just got a new spirit. But it just, and it kills you. He said, but when you get his spirit, it makes every tick just right to the word of God. Every little tick right with the word. When the word preaches on bitterness, you'll search your heart and get rid of bitterness. If the word preaches on sin or, or something in your closet, you'll go home, you'll kick the trash out. Yes. Amen. If the word preaches on certain things in your life, you'll go home and get rid of them. Yes, sir. It's the truth. I mean, the word can be preached about our time and video games. And we just go right back to them. Go to a, a new revival and get all fired up and burn them and go buy some new ones. You ain't got the main spring yet. Amen. When you get his spirit, it makes every emotion tick just right. The Holy Spirit in my heart, that, that mainspring will tell you to abstain from all the filth of the world. It'll tell you to pray. It'll tell you to seek after God. It'll begin to woo over you. It'll begin to draw over you. It'll begin to move in every facet of your life. Well, what about our, our, our young people going to college? If they got the mainspring, they'll come out of college with the mainspring. 
Amen. But if they got the new spirit, they might come out and be filled back up with every kind of thing. And even doubt. And even in unbelief. And don't even believe it's right anymore. Why? One day they used to shout and they used to praise God right here on the same pews you do. But they never got the mainspring. They never got the Holy Spirit. They never got Him moving in their hearts and in their lives. But see, what, it is, what is it? He said the Holy Spirit wants for Himself a body. Just like He wanted a land for Israel and He wanted a place for Israel. So He said, I'm going to do this. I'm going to be able to draw, begin to draw out of the deserts flowers. And I'm going to draw out of their wineries and, and things that people can live in. And I'm going to bring out of these deserted places and these deserts. What happened? The Holy Spirit began to brood over that place. And not only did it brood over a land, it brood over a physical people. And they began to have a longing and an intense desire. I want to go to that place. Hey, they had good livings where they was at. It was in good places and good positions. But they began to cry out as, as things begin to turn and things begin, they begin to go into death camps. They begin to say, I, I want to go to a land for Israel. I, I got to have, what was it? He said it was the tender hand of Jehovah wooing them to a land, wooing them to a place. It was the mainspring calling them. Amen. It begins to make, it says, what, is, what does it mean to brood or to woo? It means to make love, to coo like a dove. It begins to brood over a land as it did 6,000 years ago. And the earth was out form without void. What was it? The Holy Spirit began to overshadow it and begin to woo on it. This old desolate looking place, it began to pop out a seed and a flower drew it and a lily and a rose and this and that and the other and trees and pine trees, oak trees and mountains and every kind of thing. Why? Because the Spirit was pulling it out. And you wonder why in services you feel such a pull? It ain't a man. It's the Holy Spirit trying to pull. Pull. Brood. He's going, coo, coo. If you'll come to me, I'll give you a drink. If you'll move, I'll give you what you have need of. If you'll desire from, if you'll just open up your heart and say, yes, Lord, I'll do more for you than you could ever think, more abundantly than you could ever imagine. What is that? That's cooing. His word goes across the desk and it's woo, woo. And you hear it <laughs> off of old cowhide as it begins to hit places and hard places. People just sit there with their arms folded and they're not interested at all, picking at their fingernails and not even tuned in at all. <laughs> Meanwhile, the spirit's woo. Woo. All of a sudden, next to this person over here that's been dried up is a life that pops out. Poof. Yes, Lord! I'm here, God. I, I hear you calling. I'm responding. And he's pulling, and he's pulling, and he's pulling. He said, what happens in the beginning? The Holy Spirit began to brood over a bleak desert. He said, but when there was nothing, 
Never been nothing but that Holy Spirit began to pull and them big wings stretched over that earth at main spring. That Holy Spirit began to pull out trees and animals and out of the animals and out of the birds began to fly. Trees began to bloom. He kept cooing till a man popped up. And man, this man looked lonely and lonesome and he began to coo and, and they brought Eve out of Adam and he loved Adam and he loved Eve and he takes them and begins to pull them to himself. Cooing. That's what he did 2,000 years ago. We'll get into it Wednesday. As he began to draw upon a place it was so dark and desolate and so broken up in political chaos. But the Holy Spirit began to coo until it found a virgin that said, Be it unto me. How many other virgins was there in the land? But he knew there was one that was going to say, Be it unto me. Be it unto me. Let me go on down just for a second. He said, God, trying to bring you to himself. That's why his spirit is lingering. That's why his spirit is moving. That's why his spirit is calling unto people. Calling because he wants a body. He wants a people. He wants a people, a spiritual people in a millennium, in a new heavens, and a new earth. And it begins to coo. And as I read in... Ezekiel 36 is this spirit of God begin to go over that desolate land and begin to bring it up. It moves over into Ezekiel 37. And it's still the spirit of God cooing. It says, The hand of the Lord was upon me and carried me out in the spirit and set me in the midst of the valley which was full of dry bones. And it caused me to pass by them round about. And behold, there were very many in open valley, and they were very dry. Dry cowhides. Dry nothing. Just broken humanity. And he said, Son of man, can these bones live? And he said, Oh, Lord, you know. He said, Prophesy to these bones. Say, Oh, ye dry bones. Hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God unto these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and ye shall live. And I'll lay sinews, and I'll bring flesh, and I'll cover you with skin, and I'll put breath in you, and ye shall live, and ye shall know that I am the Lord. What was it? It was the Spirit of God calling to dry bones. This is what he does, service after service. I want to come and I want to put my spirit. Listen, the Holy Ghost wants to be in you more than you want the Holy Ghost. He wants to live in bodies. He wants to overcome in Laodicea. He wants to come in your life. He said, prophesy. And he see, prophesied. He watched a great noise and a shaking begin to take place. Bones came together, bone to bone. And the sinews and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them above. But there was no breath in them. A new heart, a new spirit. And he said unto him, Prophesy in the wind, prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind, Thus saith the Lord God, 
Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain, that they may live. And I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath came into them, and they lived and stood upon their feet, an exceedingly great army. And he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried. Our hope is lost. We're cut off from our parts. Therefore prophesy and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, how many spiritual Israel we got here? Behold, O oh my people, I will open your graves. I will cause you to come. Do you hear the cooing? I'll open your graves and cause you to come out of your grave and bring you into the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord when I've opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up out of your graves and shall put my spirit in you and ye shall live and I shall place you in your whole land. Then shall you know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, saith the Lord. Hallelujah. Ezekiel is prophesying that there is going to be a people in this day that will receive the Spirit of God. They may be broken. They may be in graves. They may be bound by every kind of spirit in hell. But there's a Holy Ghost powerful enough to begin to pull up on them and open up graves, open up impossible situations, and make a way where there seemed to be no way. Hallelujah. You remember what he did for your life? Amen. He brought you to this place, but he didn't just bring you here to leave you and to put a new heart and a new spirit in you. He brought you here that he can breathe life into you and life more abundantly. That you can have a mainspring. That you can be an exceedingly great army and destroy the works of the devil. I have not come here to be destroyed. I've come here to destroy an exceedingly great army. Do I have that army here tonight? Let's bow our heads. Cool. Cooing. Has he cooed to you tonight? Take another step. Don't be satisfied where you're at. You know you need more. to do it this way maybe you know we a lot of young people respond and it's fine we want our young people to respond but first I'm going to give our old ones an opportunity tonight kind of feel yourself dried up a little and you just need a fresh oiling and a fresh oiling of the Holy Ghost so you can expand some more He wants to give you a renewing, a refilling. If you feel that way tonight, why don't you, if you felt him cooing, something prick your heart. 
won't you make your way down to this place have some communion with him let him coo to you let him brood over you let him talk to you Lord I need a new oil in Refreshing of the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. Dried up. Feels so dry. Come on now. It's for you in the balcony as well. I need more of Jesus. I need a fresh. Lord, rekindle in me that feeling I felt at the beginning, Lord, when you took away all my sin. Took away all my shame, Lord. I want more again of that. I need you. I need you. Listen, if you feel that in your heart, right now is not the time to just stay in your seat and say, I'll lift my hand, I'm okay. No, make that response. Say, Lord, I want you. I renew it. Hallelujah. Now, if you're liking that mainspring, you've got the new heart and a new spirit, or wherever you're at, but you want that mainspring in your heart and your life, why don't you come this evening? Let's just have a moment with Him. Lay aside everything. Say, Lord, I, I want everything that you have for me. Hallelujah. Coming to the new year, we're not here to turn on over a new page. Make some renewal that we'll break later. No, that's not what it's about. We just want Him. We just want Him. We want Him in our families. We want Him in our everyday life. my God just respond to him just talk to him he's he's wooing over you right now I don't I don't know if you can feel what I feel calling maybe tonight he's crying Adam where art thou wooing calling I just want to fellowship with you I just want to have that fellowship with you again like we had at the beginning. I, I, want to, I want to draw trees out of your desert places and replant your vineyards. And Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, praise the name of the Lord. Father, we love you, Jesus. Renew us, Lord, by your Spirit, Father.
God, place the mainspring in our lives, Lord. The token, Lord, that gives us a ticket. God, we don't want to be a church, Lord, that just abides by a certain dress or a certain code of ethics or, Lord, something that we do on the outside or we can do at our homes and our in a church, but Lord, we, we want more than that. We want the mainspring in our lives, Lord. Lord, there's many here, Father, great soldiers of the cross, that Lord, I, I feel, Lord, my, my leather and my bottle's gotten a little dry. I just wanna, I just wanna feel your hand come over my heart again, Lord. With some oil of the salve of the Holy Spirit and just loosen, loosen up the, the hard places, Father. Make me bendable in your spirit and your presence, Father. Lord, that I can be more cognate to the moving of the Holy Ghost, that I can, I can just move in your presence, Lord, as you lead, Lord Jesus. God, grant it, Father. Lord, there's others that moved and said, Lord, I want the mainspring. I want the main thing. I, I want to lay it all else aside, Lord. I want Jesus take this whole world but give me Jesus yes Lord we want you God move I pray Lord on every heart and every life Father may there be such a renewing and a refilling a new zeal a new passion for your word Lord Lord that we don't get wore out in just a few moments Lord but God we want to soak it all in for what you're doing in this generation Lord, that you can be more than just a good story and more than just a, something you've done in history. But God, that you can be, Lord, right here in the middle of this moment in our lives, God. Moving in every facet of our lives, God. Moving in every place, Lord. God, may you start a new revival in hearts, I pray. A renewing, a refilling, God, a recharging. To press the battle like never before. No doubt, Father, if we can hear those that went on the other side, even now we can hear their voices. They say, press on. Press on. Keep pushing. It's worth it. Keep pushing. It's worth it. It's been worth it all when you get over here. It'll be worth every moment. It'll be worth everything you lay down. It'll be worth everything, every trial you went through. It'll be worth every test you've been, you faced. Oh, it will be worth it all. Jesus, we love you. Hallelujah. Please come and take. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, just lock in. Spirit's moving you to give your all.
Thank you.